Welcome y bienvenidos to the Bridge Covenant Church Podcast. Whether you weren't able to join us on Sunday or just thought the message was so nice you listened to it twice, we pray these words will encourage you in your walk with Jesus. For more information about today's sermon or to learn more about Bridge, please visit us at bridgecovenant.org. Well, Bridge, we've been real intentional in our Christmas celebrations. Uh, even though Santa starts selling before Thanksgiving arrives and the radio plays Christmas songs before the calendar shows December and the rush of the season threatens to overwhelm us, we waited. The season of Advent was a time for the church to wait, to practice waiting in direct contrast to a culture which pushes us to throw off every restraint and take whatever we want whenever we want it. But we chose to wait, to be purposeful, as we plan for the arrival, not of parties or presents, but of a tiny baby born in a barn. Advent is the time the church chooses to wait. We even waited to sing Christmas songs. So why? Well, I think it's because we choose to participate in the story of Jesus, to empathize with God's people who waited many hundreds of years for the arrival of the Chosen One, and they didn't know when He would arrive. Uh, we waited in solidarity with them and with all those who are still waiting to meet Jesus, who are waiting for justice and peace. We've been purposeful knowing the arrival of Jesus is an eruption which challenges our expectations of how God works. We chose a preparation of our hearts and minds and spirits, and we planned a celebration for a guest of honor. Uh, imagine having a party for someone that you've waited for, for a long, long time, maybe even years. Uh, do you just get tired of waiting and throw the party before they get there? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes. A pre-party, yes. We chose to wait, and I hope you were challenged and encouraged and prepared as you thought and acted purposefully in celebration of the arrival of God's little boy. And now it's Christmas. And like Carmen said, doing that preparation and having 12 extra days to not worry about taking down, but just to enjoy this, uh, this new Savior. Uh, I hope we're still celebrating. It's the 12th day of Christmas today. We waited for the party, and the church party lasts for 12 days. So when we party... We don't party as well as I think the Israelites did, but we try, we try. Uh, let's, let's read this together. This is a, a call and response. This is a day of high celebration in the Lord's house. It's so fresh and so warm that we offer our worship with joy as those lingering at the manger, still filled with wonder of angel choirs, a star, and redemption. Child. Let us listen, sing, and pray as those waiting on Jephthah for the next revelation of our loving God. Mm, I like that. That's why we're still singing Christmas music. We savor the season of Christmas because it's one of the most powerful times of the year for peace and goodwill. We savor the season because as God's people, we know it's the baby whose birth we celebrate who brings this peace and goodwill. So today's the 12th day, and um, we're going to make some changes here. We'll get some new uh, speakers and stuff, so bear with us. Sorry for the interruption of our system. I haven't figured quite out. Is that the mic? Oh, could be that. I don't think so. No, I think it's this system. I might be a little hot, Jax. Uh, it's working out. 
do, I do feel, I do feel a little hot. <laughs> so this is part of the Christmas cycle, and uh, it's part of the year that the, the church relives the story of Jesus. We started with Advent, and we celebrated Christ's birth on the 25th and 12 days, and then we celebrate what we call Epiphany. Now, I'm a little early here. Uh, that's tomorrow, January 6th. Uh, but that means manifestation or appearance, and it refers to a new manifestation of God, a new realization of what God looks like, who God is, uh, to the whole world, through the coming of Jesus. And during Epiphany, and that lasts four to eight weeks, it just depends on the calendar, ends on Ash Wednesday, the revelatory, the things that reveal who Jesus is, are re we're, we're reminded of those, things like his baptism, things like miracles and teaching and transfiguration, where he went up on the mountain and they saw Jesus for what he probably literally looks like. Epiphany also means a moment of sudden revelation or insight, like, whoa, I get it. And, and that's the story of the Magi often typifies this kind of sudden revelation. They come seeking an earthly king, suddenly they realize they found the king of heaven. In the life that we have chosen, a life committed to becoming more and more like Jesus, I pray that you will receive insight and revelation about Jesus, and that through that revelation, Jesus is made manifest in your life. So in the streams of the desert devotional, there's a story of a pastor uh, who falls asleep, and he dreams that he's living in a world without Jesus. And he wakes to find that there's no stockings, no lights, no trees, no wreaths, no bells, the decorations which help us to celebrate the season are gone. He walks outside, he can't see any crosses on top of buildings or anywhere else. There's no churches. There are no places to celebrate the birth of the baby Jesus. He walks back inside, he finds that his library is just smaller, shrunk down because all the books about Jesus are gone. Suddenly there's a knock on his door. Can, can you come? Will he give comfort to a sick mother? Well, of course he will. And he hurries to her side and he opens his Bible to share words of comfort, except the words are gone. The hope he planned to offer was missing. His Bible is smaller. It ends with the book of Malachi. There's no gospel. There's no powerful story of healing, no promise of hope and salvation, no cross. He cannot find the fulfillment of God's offer to forgive sins and to reconcile the world. He had nothing to offer the dying woman, so he bowed his head in sorrow. And two days later, he stood by her coffin, and to those who remained, he had no message of consolation, no hope, no joy for a new presence in heaven, no witness to the promised hope of the resurrection. He again bows his head in grief. He cries in despair at the reality of a truly eternal farewell. Death had had the last word. There's no hope to offer, no hope to hold. There was no Jesus. This last day of Christmas, I ask you to imagine a world without Jesus. As we get ready for Epiphany, as we celebrate this birth, what would the world look like? Well, I thought of a few things we'd be missing. In a world without Jesus, we would not know God the Father. We'd know about God. We'd have information. We'd see what God was like. 
And we'd read that in our book, but we wouldn't know the Father. Today we read from Hebrews, one of the many places where we are told Jesus is not only fully human, but also fully God. And we read, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these days, these last days, He spoke to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The Bible tells us, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said to his disciple, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And in Colossians we read, And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The Old Testament is God's revelation to us, and in it we learn much about God, but Jesus is the exact representation of his being. In Jesus, we learn so much more about who God is and what God does. We learn God wants to spend time with us, with the sick, the hungry, the outcast. God wants to heal us and empower us and free us from bondage. God is willing to enter into the grit and the struggle of our lives and to laugh with us and eat with us and weep with us. In Jesus, God comes to us. So we may spend time together in relationship, being known and coming to know our God. In a world without Jesus, we would not know the Father. It is our Father God who sends His only Son. Paul tells us in Romans that at just the right time, well, we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. He died for you and I. That means He died for you and I before we already did what we did. So that's good news. We would not only know, not know the Father in a world without Jesus, we would not know freedom from sin. It is Jesus and only Jesus who can come and pay the penalty for our rejection of God and our deep habits of sin. In 1 John 3, we read, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. In a world without Jesus, there is no freedom from sin. Jesus is the only solution for reconciliation with God. The Bible makes it so clear for us. Jesus tells us this is why He had to come. The Bible tells us God is holy. The Bible reveals to us the completeness of our sin and our rejection of God and God's business. The Bible tells us our sin destroys our relationship with God. And the penalty for sin is also very clear. We're destined for death, forever death. If God wanted to heal our relationship with Him, which He does, God could not ignore sin. God is holy. God cannot overlook my lies and your lust and her murder and His greed and how we destroy each other and ourselves. God loves us. And God is righteous. God does not wink at sin. God does not say, ah, don't worry about that. There is a clear price for our sin, death. In particular, human death. So 
you, know, you can't pay the price with some kind of sacrifice. Your dog or your cat can't do it for you. Your sheep or cattle or goat can't substitute. No, you sin, I sin, we are responsible. In a world without Jesus, there's no human who chooses to pay the penalty of death. It has to be a human. Jesus, born of Mary, raised on earth. Jesus is a human. But that's not enough. The Bible says a person might actually choose to die for another. It's rare, but it could happen. Most likely, if, if it does happen, like someone dies for like a good person, I'll save that good person. They don't deserve to die. We die for someone who's worthwhile, right? We don't offer to take the place of the child-raping murderer on death row. No one's stepping forward to say, hey, I'd like to help. Let me go to the death row and set that sinner free. But let's say someone did. They pay the penalty for that one person. The problem is they had their own penalty to pay already. Who paid for them? They weren't really qualified to make it right. Why not? Because the penalty for sin is death, and they were already condemned anyway, even if they weren't on death row. They hadn't made it to death row, but their lies and life led to the same result in God's holy court. The reality is we can only pay the penalty for our own sins, not the sins of another. And it's not like we get paid and we keep going. Like the penalty is like it's over. In Hebrews 2 we read, or we read, Since the chi children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, right? That's, that's us. For this reason, that's human beings. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest who intercedes in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. He can do it, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. In a world without Jesus, there is no human qualified to restore our relationship with God. None. Not one. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Jesus was fully human, and Jesus was fully God. The exact representation of his being Jesus is the solution, the only solution for reconciliation with God. Even Jesus says it. He prays to his Father, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Did the cup pass? Jesus lived as a human, and the mystery is if you've seen Jesus, then you've seen the Father. Jesus is the God-man born a God baby, and he lived a life that completely pleased God. There, there were no mistakes. There was no oopsies. No. He lived without sin. As a human and as God, Jesus is the only one who could step forward and offer himself for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the child-raping murderer, for all the sin of all humanity. How do we know Jesus had no sin? The answer is in the scripture you read for today, and it's right in the beginning of the book of Romans as well. Speaking to Jesus, Paul gets very particular about the gospel that he preaches. He says the gospel is the promise of God in scripture regarding his son, who, 
as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. So, Jesus rose from the dead. That's the proof he had no sin. If he had sinned, he'd still be dead. No, he rose from the dead. He died. And then he was not dead. And he's not dead right now. Both friendly and unfriendly witnesses all confirm Jesus is good and dead. They put guards on the tomb. You don't come off the cross of resurrection alive, by the way. Like if you're still kicking because you're tough, then you get poked or your legs get broken. You're helped on your way by a professional. Jesus was good and dead and buried in a tomb which was sealed and guarded to make sure there was no funny business. And yet on the morning of the third day after Jesus died, witness upon witness, see and talk with and eat with and celebrate Jesus. This was not some resuscitation, not a successful CPR moment. He was three days dead. It wasn't a vision late at night. It wasn't a wishful dream for a few frustrated followers. Jesus hung out with hundreds of people over 40 days before he took his place at the right hand of his Father God in heaven. Like in Revelation song we sang this morning, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. If Jesus had sinned, he would have had to have paid the penalty. Jesus is God. He's holy and righteous. He doesn't give himself a pass. He would have remained dead. He did not remain dead. Without Jesus, there is no freedom from sin. There's only one solution to sin, and only Jesus can and does offer that solution. And what would the world be like if, if no one in it had the comfort, the release, the freedom, the liberation from the guilt and shame and pain of sin. Now that, that shouldn't stretch our imagination much. Right? We all know what it's like to be debilitated, disabled by our own sinfulness. In a world without Jesus, we just continue as miserable slaves to sin. Shame blocking us, guilt. And that leads to something else. In a world without Jesus, there is no freedom from death. Remember the dream of the pastor, how he went to the funeral, and he couldn't really offer comfort. He dreamed of a world without Jesus. In a world without Jesus, death has the last word. In a world without Jesus, death reigns. You want to know a time when the world, we had a world without Jesus? In his letter to the Romans, Paul tells us that death reigned from Adam until Moses. I'm glad I'm alive now. Death reigned because of sin. Death is the result of sin. Death is sin's good buddy. They go together, arm in arm. They hang out. They're the evil super duo, super villains out to destroy the world. And death is what the devil offers. The devil deals in death because the devil deals in sin. We read today in 1 John 3 that the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. In a world without Jesus, sin still reigns, death still reigns. But, in the big but, instead of death, there is life. Jesus reveals the Father. 
Jesus offers freedom from sin. Jesus conquered death. The devil can only offer death. Jesus offers life. And not just like your everyday, every person, heart's beating, and you're breathing life. Jesus offers resurrection life. Jesus rose from the dead, and the Bible tells us he's the first example of a new kind of life, a resurrection life. So, God's beloved, resurrection life is life for today and life for tomorrow. You who've said, I follow the baby Jesus, Savior of the world, are reconciled to God. You've been transformed. I mean, we need to hear, I need to hear this all the time. I've been made new. Even this morning, the old is gone. The new is here. You have freedom from sin, freedom from death. That You are empowered as God's adopted children to love and to heal. I like how it says, uh, lavished upon us. Don't you know you're children of God? Adopted to love and to heal and to share the message of reconciliation with the world around you. You're instruments of righteousness. Tools in the hand of God to make all things new. That's resurrection life right now. And there's no waiting. That's the life which is yours and mine to embrace with the yes of faith. Resurrection life is also life after death. In Jesus, we have freedom from death. He rose from the grave. Jesus promised that we also will rise from the grave. Be it aside when he comes again. There's no reason to fear death. The triune God who created life and stops, steps from death on the cross to resurrection life is the God who says to you, choose life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. There's that hope that pastor couldn't give. But in a world without Jesus, death is the end. Death is to be feared. Death is the penalty for a life of sin. And there's no parole, no shortened sentence, no escape. A world without Jesus sounds pretty awful. You know, Jesus promised change. He said, I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor, to offer freedom for the prisoners, to offer sight to the blind, set the oppressed free, to proclaim God is acting to restore relationship with you. The angel said, peace on earth and goodwill to all. When we sing that he rules with truth and grace today, do we believe that? Do we see that? I think it's sometimes hard to see, but you can see it. Where are you looking? Do our eyes need to be open more? In a world without Jesus, there is no church. There's no place on earth where we can see and experience the presence of Jesus on earth. Look around you. You are the church. Bridge is the church. The church is here and has been here because this is not a world without Jesus. The church, the presence of Jesus on earth is the place and the people and the practice of peace on earth. It is peace on earth. Of goodwill to others. The church is the presence of the kingdom of God, the new community in Jesus where the poor and the battered are 
cared for, we hope. Sustained where the knowledge of God fills the earth, a place where God embraces and loves and forgives and empowers, a place where we are collaborating with God to make all things new. This is not a world without Jesus. The world with Jesus, where we're able to know the Father intimately. A world in which there's freedom from sin. Amen? Amen. Freedom from death. Where it doesn't have the last word. A world in which the church of Jesus, the chosen one of God, rules with truth and grace. This is the world with Jesus. A world with a promise of life. And one more thing. There's not a lot of time to go too deep here, but I want you to believe in faith. If we've all talked... to if all we've talked about is real, which I say it is, and I'm not the only one, and I have it on good authority, if we can have faith in Jesus, then we can have faith in what is still to come. This is a world with Jesus, and the promise of Jesus is He will return and make all things new. So even if it's hard to see right now, you won't miss it later on. All things will be restored and healed. The wolf and the lamb will graze together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. The book of Revelation tells us there is coming a new heaven and a new earth. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Maybe not tears of joy. Let's say that he uses those as like a holy water or something. <laughs> there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said... I am making everything new. And he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. That's a gift worth waiting for. So, so. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us on the Bridge Covenant Church podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at bridgecovenant.org.